You may remember about two and a half years ago in this city, I had my last Young Lion match at Osaka Joe. You might remember that at that time, I said this was my home. The guys out back, and each of you were my family. Boy, how I was wrong. None of you think that I deserve this belt. None of you think I could make it to the top. You didn't think I could beat Kenny? You didn't think I could beat Tanahashi? I beat him. You didn't think I could beat Okada? I beat him. And just to put the icing on the top, so there's no doubt in anybody's mind, I just beat Tanahashi again. I am the champion in spite of each and every one of you. I said at a press conference, I would take this and I would spit in your face. And that's exactly what I'm doing in a party by having this belt. I don't play by your rules. I don't show heart and passion like Tana. But no, 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 it doesn't matter because I am the real IWGP heavyweight champion. Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling Is Trash, a nonsensical wrestling podcast where we talk about professional wrestling past, present, and quite possibly the future. A couple of production notes before we get the show crack a lacking proper like. You can follow Wrestling Is Trash on Twitter at Wrestling B Trash. And you can also follow on Instagram at Wrestling Is Trash. You can also be a part of this show, submitting your questions or making some observations that we can kind of expand upon and give our two cents about by using that Twitter account or Instagram using the hashtag WITTALK, that's W-I-T-T-A-L-K or you can verbalize your questions using the voicemail line at 304-825-5762 or you can send us email to mail at wrestlingistrash.com and also you can find all these wonderful episodes that we have recorded on wrestlingistrash.com Join me once again he is uh, becoming quickly an alumni of the Wrestling is Trash podcast. We only got 21, 22 episodes anyway, so anybody that's been on here is an alumni. So uh, without further ado, the man, with the, what, what's the count now? What's, what's the bicep circumference? <laughs> I think they're still around 21 and a half. The man with the 21 and a half inch pythons. The man. The myth, the legend. I, I call everybody the man, the myth, the legend that's on this show until we get a female guest. And the Mafia Don of the freaking <laughs> Northeast anomaly. 
What's up, party people? Party people. Dude, I almost wanted to play that right now. We're tag hey, team I, back again. Yeah. Hey, I, yeah. Hey, I posted that on Facebook the other day, and, and people didn't know how to react. They was like, there was younger kids. It was like, what is this? I've never heard this before. They thought it was like a new track. I was like feeling really old. And you know what? You could probably do that nowadays. You can probably play one of the um, little party anthems like that song was now. And people would probably think that's new because um, I think when Missy Elliott did the Super Bowl, what, like two years ago or whatever, a lot of younger people were thinking she was a brand new artist and shit and her album, you know, downloads went up significantly because of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I've seen something uh, on Twitter years back when uh, Kanye West and Paul McCartney did a song together. Somebody actually was like, I don't know who this Paul McCartney guy is, but but Kanye West just gave him a career, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it has happened. I'm really just so <laughs> people no longer know who the Beatles are. It is, it is here. Well, speaking of uh, musical icons and whatnot, um, most recently, you know, it's all for wrestling, but damn, I seen the previews for Bohemian Rhapsody when it was uh, coming out in theaters, and. Yes. I really wanted to see that movie because of the trailers and whatnot. And also seeing those trailers and um, seeing some of like the little clips for the movie or whatever, I never knew how many Queen songs I actually knew until I seen, you know, the the workup and everything for this uh, movie. Wow. That's, I'm actually a big fan of, of Queen. So like, I, I, I still haven't seen that movie yet, but I mean, I, I kind of really studied um, Freddie Mercury's stage presence for my my own career. You know, for you for your audience that doesn't know, I've, I'm a pretty accomplished stage performer and uh, underground hip hop artist. I really studied Freddie Mercury's movements and body language on the stage for my own personal presence. So I, I I'm dying to see that movie actually, and uh, yeah, that's. I, I know pretty much every Queen song ever written. So, well, actually, it came out on DVD. I think Tuesday. So after we finish recording today, when I go out and do my errands, I'm gonna go pick it up. Dude, you, you realize I got a DVD player, and I don't think I've had it hooked up to a TV in almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like like my cable service that uh, that we have up up here in Kentucky. Uh, you pretty much get a, a, a home phone service for free. Like it's either a you get cable and Wi-Fi for like uh, two hundred and thirty dollars, or you can get the package with the phone for two hundred even. So like I've I had a house phone for years. I mean years, and I didn't even know my actual house phone number, and I just went out and bought a house phone like two months ago. <laughs> Man, wow, dude, yeah, you living in the Stone Age. Uh, shout out to Mrs. B. Rob for uh, walking me up some pancakes. <laughs> Oh, did you finally get your pancakes? Yeah, I'm I'm right here. I sent you a picture of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the phone. I can't see them yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I, I just seen something out of the corner of my eye and everything while I'm talking to you about Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, just a, a plate of pancakes just levitated in front of me. And I'm about to take a couple bites. So if you hit me on mute for a little bit while you're making your points or whatnot, uh, that's what's going down. <laughs> see, that, that's a real woman for you right there. She bring you the pancakes while you're podcasting. Yeah, pan podcake. What is uh, pancakes of podcastativity or something? There you go. 
Yeah. <laughs> work, work it in there. Pod yeah, pod takes positivity. There we go. Um, speaking of other movie icons, I, I seen it was an advertisement and it was like a dual advertisement. It was for a piano company and it was also highlighting um, scenes from the Elton John movie that's coming out. Rocket Man. I want to see that shit too. <laughs> I had no idea they was making a movie about Elton John. Yeah. Um, I'm going I'm to send you a link to the original commercial for it or whatever because I thought it yeah. was just like a, a freaking awesome way to sell a piano, you know, with Elton John as the spokesperson for it or whatever. But the actual clips they were using, you know, showing like his past and everything and how he got to where he is were actual clips from a movie that they're doing on him. So it was like a dual oh. advertisement. Wow. You know, it, it, it's amazing that I've gotten to this age where artists actually know they're doing you know, that I've watched my entire life. They're making um, the life and times of type movies about them. It's, it's really, I don't know, makes me feel like a dinosaur more or less. But I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll be 41 Monday. So I guess I am kind of up there in age now. I mean, you're only as old as you feel, dude. Well, that comes and goes. Sometimes I wake up and I feel like I'm 80. Other uh, times, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I wake up and I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm still in high school, so it, that varies with the day. Yeah. Um, the dude playing Elton John in the movie is uh, Eggsy from the Kingsman movies. Really? Mm-hmm. And huh. he, he can actually sing. I heard him on Sway in the Morning with Jamie Foxx when he was promoting Robin Hood. Huh. That one messes me up, too. I don't know if I want to see that Robin Hood movie. Um, I, think, I, I think that's out or is coming out uh, here pretty soon. I'll probably get it at the bargain bin or something. Yeah, I don't. I mean, dude, that's. I just see Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman. I just exactly. Uh, it's just like when they remade Point Break. Uh, I felt like it was a disrespect to Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Man, you can't do that. Yeah, like anytime I think any Robin Hood movie, I only think of well, three. I'm gonna say three: Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. <laughs> the Robin Hood with uh, Kevin Costner, as you just mentioned, and the yep. um. The Robin Hood with the freaking um, Fox and Blue and all them. The, yeah. Thank you. The Disney one. <laughs> yeah, the Disney joint. That's the only three yeah. I think of. <laughs> Same here. Same here. I mean, the, the minute tight students, that's like a forgotten movie. People just, it, it isn't talked about as much as it should be. And I mean, you had, you had Carrie Ells and, and, and a, a young, uh, uh, Oh my gosh. A young Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle, man. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. I had I had a brain fart. I'm over here watching Clemson when U of L play too on mute, so <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm like a, a diehard U of L fan. It, it it goes pro wrestling, then Louisville Cardinals basketball. And we're I'm still kinda upset about the whole Duke thing. Uh oh. But did you not hear about that game? Were you one of the few people who didn't see Sports Center and how bad they clowned us for forty eight hours? Oh, I, I'm one of the few. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure plenty of your um, your audience knows Louisville, who is ranked 16 in the nation, mm -hmm. was playing number two Duke at our house mm -hmm. in our arena, KFC Young Center. We were blowing them out. We had them beat by 23 points with nine minutes and 36 seconds left in the game. At this point in time, Duke stormed back and kicked our ass, and we lost by two points. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Okay, because um, my wife's cousin 
is a fucking diehard Duke fan or whatever. She called here uh, ranting and raving about that shit. Uh, you know, I was a lot more angry about the game before Coach K did his uh, press conference after the game. Mm-hmm. He he really put it in perspective, and, you know, he won with class, put it like that. Like, he didn't rub it in that, you know, we lost the 23-point lead. He was actually more more or less saying, my team didn't even deserve to win this game. I don't understand what just happened, but we won. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean – it was um it was a heartbreaking loss for us. It definitely was. We really felt like we should have won that game and we just kind of mentally broke down in the last few minutes. He reminded me of that damn um Atlanta Super Bowl. <laughs> How they blew oh, the yeah. game, man. It, it it was it was very similar to that. But you know, um for for people from out of state that don't realize this, when you enter the state of Kentucky, Duke is the most hated team on the planet here. Louisville and Kentucky have a rivalry with each other that is similar to the Hatfields and the McCoys. Like, we will literally shoot at each other over, <laughs> over the game. But we both can't, cannot stand Duke with a passion. We hate Duke. Yeah. And uh, there was a, a game years ago between Kentucky and Duke where Duke won with a buzzer beater against Kentucky with Christian Leitner hitting the game when his shot. It's still talked about here, and the game the other day where we lost is eerily similar to that. Man. With them hitting a yeah, it it was it just made the rivalry for us utterly despising Duke that much stronger. And you know, I'm a Saints fan, and you know we hate Atlanta. Uh, I think yeah. just about everybody hate Dallas, and it's <laughs> kind of ironic to me that I live in Texas. So I'm just like, everybody coming to work and shit, you remember like, yeah, man, the Texans this or the Rockets that or, you know, you know, they even got some Cowboy fans down here. And they'd be, I'd be like, I'm not even from here. I just live here. So fuck your team. <laughs> I think we've been doing the podcast now for 10 minutes and we have not even said one word about wrestling. And that's what makes a great wrestling podcast, man. <laughs> But, but but I will say one thing before we transition over as far as sports teams go here in the great state of Texas. The only one that gets a pass for me is uh, the Houston Astros because Louisiana doesn't have a professional baseball team, so I'm adopting the Houston Astros. I can understand that, but I mean, you so you 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 don't like the San Antonio Spurs? Let, let, let's just be clear on something. They're not my team. And that's They're the, not your team. Yeah, but you that, that's them. yeah. I respect them. You know, I mean, I dislike Okada, but I respect him. <laughs> I can feel that. Now yeah. we're on wrestling. Yeah. So I mean, that's just how it is for me. I mean, if you hear me say I hate a team, I don't really hate a team. They're just not my team. You know. Oh, I hate Duke. I <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's another. That's that's different. That's a different type of thing. I mean, you got. Blood Fuse, Hatfield, McCoy, shit like y'all was talking about. And I'll be pretty much disgruntled at another team, too, if motherfuckers is shooting at me like you was talking about. <laughs> On the <laughs> court like and off that, the dude. court. <laughs> it gets like that. It really does. Uh, I know a, a lot of listeners here are from Kentucky or whatnot. We are really trigger happy down here. Like, seriously, we got issues. I don't know if it's like the fact that Throughout our generations, you're more or less there's there's a lot of inbreeding that happened here. I'm being really honest with you. 
But <laughs> we're fucking trigger happy down here. We will shoot you for any reason whatsoever. You disrespect our teams, we'll shoot you. We don't care. It's just like, man, we could go into wrestling. I read a, a story the other day, and um, it was about Jim Cornette threatening to shoot Brock Lesnar. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, I read that story, and I was like, yep, that's a Kentuckian for you. Because Jim Cornette grew up just – he grew up less than 45 minutes away from where I live right now. And it's just our nature. If you're too big, we'll just shoot you. Mm-hmm. And that's what he told Brock. He was like, I'm not going to fight your big ass, but I will blow your fucking head off. And Brock fucking went and whined to Danny Davis about it, who he was training under at the time. He was like, well, Jim Cornette just threatened to shoot me in the fucking head. And, he, and Danny Davis, he said, well, what the hell do you think is going to happen? He ain't going to fight you, you dumb fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a very good story. It had to do with... um. Actually, Brock Lesnar during a match grabbed Jim Cornette's girlfriend, now wife, by the vagina lips and squeezed them. Ooh, he pulled it down a trunk. And, yeah, but she had just had a piercing Ooh. down there. And, and, uh, uh, evidently, she knew she was being Gorilla Press Slam. She knew the spot, but she told him she said, Kind of like grab the outer portions of my leg. Yeah, Don't grab my crotch. I just had some piercings there, dude. You know, and he told her, he said, no, nah. he said, I'm going to grab you right by the pussy. <laughs> and sure enough, he fucking did. And she came in the back, wincing in fucking pain. Like she was going through it. She had just had her, her clitoris and other extremities down there pierced. And he squeezed that motherfucker. And Jim Cornette threatened to blow his fucking head off. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I ain't about to. My, my six foot, one hundred and ninety four pounds is not about to run up against Brock Lesnar and no no fisticuffs. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna shoot that some bitch. That's how I'm raised. I'm gonna shoot that some bitch. But I mean, that was um, that was the second time in my knowledge that Jim Cornette has threatened to shoot somebody. <laughs> he also threatened to shoot uh, Vince Russo. Well, shit, I think actually, a lot of people done yeah. that. <laughs> Well, apparently, Jim Cornette actually chased him down in a car and pulled the pistol out and said, hey, motherfucker, pull over right now, which it's it's just the Louisville in you. That's how we are. We'll shoot you. <laughs> but, I mean, but, yeah, shooting motherfuckers, know, like, man. It, yeah. Like, all right, just re- realistically, all right, mm-hmm. he, he has that fire, that uh, that vigor in him or whatever, but what, what do you think? What's the – all right. You get it in your mind that you're going to shoot a motherfucker. I, I'm just speaking real world shit right now. I'm just like, in, in the instance of this situation, I'm Jim Cornette, and, you know, I'm about to run up on Vince Russo. I got the gun out. and Let's just say Jim Cornette shot that motherfucker. What, <laughs> what do you think the course of events would have been right after that moment? Because you got the gun out. You done shot the motherfucker. He is, depending on where you hit him at, he's going to pretty much be dead if you close range. So, yeah. what's the next steps for Jim Cornette in that situation? Hide the body? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, we know about it. You're talking about it. I mean, this is yeah. you know, public knowledge or whatever. So, somebody else yeah. knows that he was going to gun this motherfucker down. So, <laughs> Well, he talked about it on his podcast. Shit. Well, yeah. And, and so did Vince Russo. Vince Russo has legitimately said on numerous occasions that Jim Cornette scares him. Well, because 
Well, that's the thing, He'll though. Shoot well, that's the thing, though. That's hindsight. These motherfuckers alive. He didn't actually pull the trigger, but I'm saying, what if he actually if he shot did? this dude? I mean, what was his next thought process after that other than the rage that he had? He was like, it's almost like busting the nut, dude. You get in there, you're like, man, I'm going to tear this ass up. I'm going to tear this ass up. You get in there, you tear it up, you bust a nut. Then you like, after you like, uh. So what I now? I should have jacked off. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, this ain't even my house. I need to leave now. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, just speaking as a as a Louisvillian, <laughs> we have a a very bad issue of not thinking before we act. Yeah. We really do. So I mean, and Jim is from he's from my hometown, and he actually grew up in the South in the Louisville, and it's kind of in your nature. You just do it, and then you think about it afterwards, like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, let, let's let's kind of narrow it down a bit or whatever. What what time frame was this? Because if we're speaking in the instance of 2019, uh, depending no. on where he pulled him over, that he, he is pretty much fucked, because there's a camera on every corner, cell phones, yeah. and all kind of crazy shit like that. So when was this? Uh, I, I believe it was in uh, the time when Cornette was managing Yokozuna and okay. uh, Owen Hart and the Bulldog in WWS. All right, so that's is early 90s. Early 90s, early mid 90s, when he had the stable with Vader and Yokozuna. He had a good stable there. Yeah. And apparently he had just gotten fed the fuck up with Vince Russo. Okay, so. So, yeah. I, be- I believe he could have got away with it, you know, around that time frame or whatever, depending on, you know, where they were when it happened. He probably could have damn let a shot off in the in the in the car or whatever, and just kind of drove off and been good. And got rid of the gun or whatever. He could have yeah. just. I ain't trying to fuck with nobodies. You could just left that motherfucker there. It could could have just <laughs> been a robbery, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. You know, uh, Cornette is not the only wrestling persona I've heard is trigger happy. I've heard Harley Race is incredibly trigger happy. Yeah, uh, man. I don't know if I told it here on the show, but like when I was uh, stationed in Missouri before I retired, um, I, I fell in with a independent promotion or whatever called uh, Central States Championship Wrestling. They trained me a little bit and whatnot, and I helped that promotion out. But when I found out there was so much wrestling around that region or whatever, I'd never been around so much wrestling in my life, dog. Yeah. I was uh, legitimately looking at uh, schools to go train at. And uh, Harley Race's school was uh, one of the ones that was there in that area. I mean, not in the area, you know, proximity-wise of to where I can just get there easily. He was like easily an hour and a half, almost two-hour drive from where I was working. And I was like literally in my mind like, dog, it's right there. You know, I was like, <laughs> I, could, I was trying to map out how I was going to do this shit because, damn, I go to work at fucking five in the morning. And then I get off at freaking about five in the evening, almost six o'clock. And I was seriously debating on like how I'm going to drive up there after work or on the weekends to go do this shit and come home every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the train with Harley. So, I mean, you know, you kind of would want to do it. I can understand that. I mean, he's he's a legend, but they um. They say he was very trigger happy, and he was a very feared man in the in the locker room. Said didn't too many people want to tangle with him. Yeah, and then um, 
the guys that had a hand in um, training me at the place I was telling you about, he, um, one of the younger guys that was helping me out, he would go back and forth up there to, because, I mean, he was an actual independent wrestler. So he would go from place to place and he would go up there and do shows for um, Harley Race and um, work with um, his company up there. And he's like, you know, he's he's still a badass, man. He, he'll sit there, he'll talk shit to you. I mean, you ride around in this little scooter making sure everybody's doing everything they're supposed to do. And he's just like, he's like, I, nobody still fuck with him. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what they said. They said, um, they said there was a time when he came to uh, the Memphis area to um, to wrestle Jerry Lawler, and uh, Lawler, were, of course, was the booker. So Lawler always booked himself over all the town. And um, mm-hmm. Harley wasn't having it. Harley was just basically like, dude, I'm not doing a fucking job for you. Yeah. <laughs> and he like came in there. He's like basically punked Jerry Lawler and, uh, and Jerry Jared out. Like he was just like, look, motherfuckers, you're going to pay me my fucking money. I'm not putting my shoulders down for you. We'll go out there. I- I'll put you over with the crowd. I'll let you get your little spots in there and everything, but I'm not putting my shoulders down for you. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> so I mean, they said Harley was was the was the real deal, and he he demanded respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a lot that's I think a lot of that's missing in the locker room nowadays. You don't have too many legit shooters in the locker room anymore mm-hmm. to kind of keep the guys in line from their little prima donna uh, little aspects and shit that they do nowadays. Yeah. And um we we can agree the business has changed from that era until now. But um sp- kind of sp- speaking of uh you know the current crop of professional wrestlers, Daniel Bryan, current WWE mm-hmm. uh, World Heavyweight Champion. And yeah. um he has recruited the assistance of one Eric Rowan who has yeah. since been injured and has made his return. Now he's a under the wing of uh, Daniel Bryan and whatnot. What do you think about that move? Well, the first thing that people got to realize is he kind of lucked into that Mm storyline. That storyline was originally written for one Lars Sullivan. Ah. Uh, Lars Sullivan basically has fucked up his whole career. Uh, I heard he having issues and shit. Well, what, what had happened is, is they wanted to do a wellness test on him that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he was supposed to debut, and he faked a panic attack and went to the hospital. Oh snap! <laughs> well, I heard about the panic attack and whatnot, but I didn't know, you know, the details yeah. of what you just revealed to me. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. Uh, and now, this is like some Britney now, Spears shit or whatever. Didn't she uh, shave her head because of some junk like that? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> shit happens. Um, but apparently. Um, Lars has more or less been acting like a maniac on Twitter ever since. Yeah, I heard of Like, Yeah. All right. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that's heard that. I've seen a couple of things, and I was like, this cannot be a real tweet. This has got to be Photoshop. But apparently, he is really acting like he's lost his mind. Uh, so Rowan kind of lucked into that spot. Uh, I dig it to a degree, because I think Rowan can pull off any character whatsoever they give him. And mm. I like it a lot better than the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering what they're going to do with Luke Harper when he comes back because uh, I know he's close to being ready. Yeah. Um, so, that's 
that was a that was gonna be the follow up question and whatnot. Do you think he kind of folds in with uh, Brian as well? I would like to see it, but then again, at the the same time, man, I I really think the WWE dropped the ball with the Wyatt family. I don't if even think, think I don't even think so oh, much like say the whole run of the Wyatt family uh, all the way up until this current moment that we're speaking about now. You know. Yes, some things could have been changed here. They could have took a left instead of making that right or whatever the case may be. Cool. But as a whole, the ball dropping thing, I believe, has been with Luke Harper. You think so? Yeah. I mean, mean, Bray Bray Wyatt could have been great. I mean, he still has the opportunity to be great. I think the fans love his character and whatnot. I mean, I think he's still salvageable. They can still do things with him if he chooses to do so but Luke Harper when um he when the whole Wyatt family broke up he was doing the single thing for that brief yeah. minute moment they put the intercontinental mm-hmm. strap on him he had a great series of matches with Dolph Ziggler even the, going into that ladder match and from then on I was like a Luke Harper fan you know oh yeah I'm a I'm a big fan of Luke's it's just I mean, he he's a throwback. He's a workhorse. Yeah. I've said it before. He he summons his inner Iron Anderson. Yeah. If he's injured, he puts some duct tape on that shit and he goes after it. If he's out for an injury, it's a real injury. Yeah. Uh, my thing is though is if when I think back about when I was the most into WWE modern times, it was when the Wyatt family was at the forefront doing their villainous shit, and it all laundered and died when John Cena went over on Bray Wyatt at that la- at that yeah. last man standing match. Yeah, that's with the the creepy kid voice and shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean you had it. It was right there at your grasp. It was a great storyline, and they just killed it. I was like, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. No. So you know, like that was the last time I could really say I was. I was pulled in and intrigued by a storyline. The Wyatt family had it. And then you had Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family there mm-hmm. for a minute in the in the you know, the janitor's jumpsuit. He's yeah. all dark and dreary. <laughs> I mean, it was it was good it was a good storyline. Yeah. Um even um the whole build between Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker. We yeah. we, we speak about um we I know we have throughout the life of this show and even my other show. But damn, we spoke about moments to where the Undertaker could easily retired or pass the torch or whatever the fuck, and this could have been one of them. But the yeah. match wasn't so great. <laughs> no, it was not. So, you know, and now we look at it that the Undertaker is officially retired. Mm. He's completely retired now. He's announced his official retirement from the ring. He's no longer going to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And the last match we have of him is the little overseas um, crown jewel bullshit that he did with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Well, hold on. And Kane. Before you even move forward or whatever, who who said he retired? He said he retired? Yes. He's he's even uh, taken off everything about the WWE on his page, and he's taking uh, independent bookings for show-ups. Not matches, just show-ups. Okay, well, all right. I I get that, because he's going to be at the StarCast event for the AEW show in May. Yeah, well, he he's going to be there. Yeah, he's be not there. performing. Yeah, he he's going to be a star. Retired cast. from the ring. He's no longer going to wrestle. Uh, I don't know about that, man. 
That's what he's saying. He's saying he's done. He said he doesn't want to wrestle no more. He's just going to do appearances. But from what I understand, he, it, it's costing a pretty penny to get him in your door. Well, see, and, that, and that's the thing, too. Like, um, I don't know when the end is for him, but we are damn close. Because when this, this is how I figured this was coming to the end, not after the fact that I cried about this motherfucker when he faced Roman Reigns and left all the shit in the gear. I thought that shit was done. I thought it was over then. Sorry, motherfucker. But um, I start to see. I saw the official Instagram account pop up. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is shit he don't do. Then yeah, I saw the official Twitter shit pop yep. up. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then. What kind of topped it off? Not even this Starcast shit, or um, even those um, verified accounts started popping up. But here, I think either in Austin or San Antonio, somewhere close to here, they had an autograph signing advertising for him, and I was just like, "Yeah, man, he's getting ready to hang it up." Because he, he, he already looking to make his own money without WWE and whatnot. So I was like, "Yeah, this has to be the end," and um, I hope it's the end, as in you know. We get a Hall of Fame induction announcement here pretty soon or even next year. And I don't want to see this motherfucker in the ring no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Let's, I mean, he's, even though a lot of people don't say it, honestly, he's one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest ever. You could make the argument he's the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can. I mean, and that's just, that's not just character wise and impact wise. Match wise, he's linked to some of the greatest matches in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put him up there with the Flares and the Hogan's and you know the the Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels helped make the Undertaker a legend the same way the Undertaker helped make Shawn Michaels a legend. Those WrestleMania matches are going to go down in history. Mm-hmm. We just most recently, um, speaking of Shawn Michaels, we just most recently did a watch along. For um, Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair WrestleMania 24, one of my all-time favorite matches, man. And just going back yeah. and watching that again with with somebody that has some knowledge of of you know the history surrounding the match and just the build up to it and everything, it was it was great, man. It was just I still and I said it on the show. I said this 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 is how I know something is amiss now in hindsight. So there's only been two times in um, my history of professional wrestling watching to where I got overly emotional over some wrestling shit. One yeah. was Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels retirement match, career match. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was it for Flair, man. I thought that was, you know, it was a perfect send off. You couldn't get no better than what he got. And, yep. you know, I got really, I got choked up about the shit. Got misty eyed and shit. And then this motherfucker would leave go around and do the independent bookings, not wrestle, you know, kind of like what Undertaker's doing now, just showing up at events, you know, different promotions, you know, cutting promos and doing shit like that, which is nothing wrong with that. But then this motherfucker started wrestling and TNA and all this other bullshit, and then it pissed me off to no goddamn end, man. I was like, dog, they gave you the perfect send-off, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And then the second time that you know, everybody knows, Motherfucking Undertaker. I just spoke about it. Sorry, motherfucker. Yeah. Made me cry tears in front of my motherfucking wife and shit. You punk son of a bitch. And now he would go on to wrestle and continue. And over and over again, this motherfucker would do this shit to me. 
you just keep wrestling when you should have been gone a long time ago. And I came to the conclusion when we recorded that episode that that's my indicator. A motherfucker's going to let me down (laughs) when I get emotional about some wrestling shit. Flair did it and The Undertaker did it. So the next time I'm feeling all teary-eyed and misty over a motherfucker, I'm going to suck that shit the fuck up because he's going to let me down later. (laughs) It's really going to take a lot for me to get misty-eyed about any wrestling right now. Unless it was like an untimely death, like mm. I'll probably shed a tear, you know, if, if Bret Hart died, you know, today, I would shed a tear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard a beep. Oh, that's, that's my phone. Motherfucker sending me messages and shit. <laughs> Tell them you're eating pancakes and recording podcasts. Oh, the pancakes are gone, homeboy. <laughs> that's, that's my dog. <laughs> um. But yeah, the the Flair Shawn Michaels match that that match made me man, I teared up bad. I cried hard on that match. Uh, I said that on here numerous times. That match brought out so much damn emotion in me. Just from following Flair's career as long as I could remember, and he was just like so impactful in my life. Like watching his interviews and the way he carried himself in. He could be a heel and be loved. I mean, yeah. he was the first guy to really do that. He was a loved heel. This man would come out there and tell you he was going to fuck your wife and kick your ass and, and take your money and eat your pancakes when he was done, and you'd still cheer for him. You ain't going to eat my motherfucking pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm just saying. But, yeah, man, it, 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 it's, it's very few wrestlers that kind of, I guess, would uh, say uh, transcend professional wrestling because you got mm-hmm. those uh people that come along that have been around so long or just become so damn good that you don't associate them with being a bad guy or a good guy or they don't even need a freaking championship to make them a great performer or character yep just like uh roddy piper roddy piper didn't roddy piper told Shawn michaels when Shawn michaels just started his singles career it was quoted that he said this he said Kids, you don't need the title to show you're the best ever. He said, just go out there and be the best and know you are. Mm-hmm. And that's what Piper did. Piper didn't need um, – he didn't need to win the title from Hulk Hogan to know he was that the ki- he was the king of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And another, he was Roddy Piper. And another thing uh, with another performer that – a um, couple of them, man. I can always think of so many. Uh, freaking Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennon. Goddamn, yeah. Rick Rude, freaking yeah. you know, all never held the freaking uh big dog championship. I think didn't Rude have the WCW? I title? was gonna say that. Yeah. Um, my personal opinion, Rick Rude did. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of people don't recognize it. I recognize it. They they called it. Um, it was the old NWA title because WCW had their own title at the time. Yeah, but they made the 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 old NWA the 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 big gold belt. They made that the international heavyweight championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, if I remember correctly, they had a battle royal for it, and the two finalists for that title in the ring was Great Muda and Barry Wendell, mm-hmm. and Muda won. Now, if I remember correctly, Rick, Rick Rude beat Great Muda for it. Okay. And Rude held that title. 
and Rude defended that title against Sting. Mm-hmm. And I believe he defended it against Flair as well. I'm not for sure. But they ended up taking that gold. It, that ended up being the WCW title again. Yeah. And, uh, they, I believe they merged the titles after a while. And speaking of defending your title, I need you to defend your money in the bank, motherfucker. I'm cashing in. <laughs> All right. First things first, fuck the Duke Blue Devils. Um, look here, you motherfuckers. You always act, walk around acting like you're the elite, that you're the cream of the crop. First off, bitch, y'all aren't the cream of the crop. UCLA's won more titles than you guys. Okay, so you're not the cream of the fucking crop. Uh, you always think you're high and mighty and better than everyone. Yeah, you won. You beat us at, at KFC Young Center by two points. Yeah, Christian Leitner stuck a dagger in Kentucky's heart and, and won by two points. But you're not better than nobody, motherfuckers. We had y'all by 23 fucking points. I don't know what happened, but fuck you, Zion Williamson. Fuck you, Coach K. Fuck Jay Billis and fuck everybody that has anything to do with Duke. And if you want to be down with Duke, then fuck you too. All you motherfuckers can die slow. Alright, <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, you been listening to Tupac lately? Every day. <laughs> uh, for, for those of you listening that don't know what just happened, we have a thing here on the show called the promo in the bank. At any time, um, we can cash in on each other and the other person has to do a promo for 60 seconds on a topic of the other person's choosing. So uh, my topic for him, since uh, he doesn't like Duke so well, he had to cut a 60-second promo on Duke. So um, whatever my topic is, is re- will remain to be seen, but that's what the promo in the bank is. Surprise, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's... Uh... Let's talk about what we talked about on the prior podcast that I said was coming in now. We see it coming. Oh, yeah. The New, the new Japan Exodus. Yeah, man. I, I, this, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on here, man. Um, Jay White, the champ. Yeah. So, too yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, too soon? Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. I, I didn't. I thought there was going to be more story to it. But, you know, in hindsight, because, I mean, we have that luxury now, it makes sense. You know, not not with the um, you know, the the exodus of a lot of the um, individuals leaving, but just in the to me, to me, just in the sense of Jay White's character, this makes sense to me. Um, this is the thing that I don't like about it. Um, Jay White winning this title, it this title is not going to mean as much right now as him winning it than it would have if he would have won it uh, per se at a higher point Mm -hmm. in new Japan wrestling history. Right now, this is a dark time and a low point for new Japan wrestling. Uh, Harold me has basically ran that company into obscurity in less than a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not going to be recognized like Okada's reign will be remembered as the last great reign of New Japan, if you really want me to be honest. I think New Japan will probably be out of business within the next five years. Yeah, and then, you know, you say that, and then they have, um, with the Madison Square Garden show that's coming up around Mania or whatever, they had all kind of snafus with that because of visa issues. So the card that could have been, you know, something great 
is lacking the people who left New Japan, the Bucks and you yep. know a couple other people, and they don't even have a lot of their own New Japan stars on the card because they shit's going on with the visas and whatnot, which hopefully they can rectify between now and then. They still have time. I don't see it happening. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think I think I sent you a text message about this. I'm not for sure. Um, if it wasn't you, it was somebody else. Uh, NXT Japan is about to oh, totally yeah, yeah. destroy Japan. <laughs> yeah, we did talk yeah, it, about it, that. It, yeah. Uh, if you're not aware of it, wrestling fans, uh, Triple H wants to basically control the entire world yeah, that, of wrestling. Yeah, that's what the word on the street is. They're um, looking to branch out uh, beyond NXT US and uh, NXT UK into some other countries and whatnot and just set up you know, performance centers and promotions and brands under the WWE banner of NXT. Yeah, and make it basically the way he wants to do it is uh, territories like you like t- competing territories, but under the NXT banner. Mm-hmm. And people, some people like there's a lot of guys on um, you know in the internet wrestling fan base that oh no Japan won't go for this blah blah blah. There's too much tradition. They're bullshit, dude. Look how many people have already left Japan. Mm-hmm. it's no no one is safe yeah. if they open an NXT Japan like he's planning on which they were testing the markets out anyway when they was going over there and having Japan shows mm-hmm. and having tryouts for these guys mm-hmm. they will swallow up companies like Dragon Gate Dragon Gate will be swallowed up all Japan wrestling will be swallowed up pro wrestling Noah will be swallowed up and New Japan Wrestling will be swallowed up. Because I'm going to tell you this. Harold Me don't give a fuck about the New Japan tradition. He don't care. So if the WWE offers him the right amount of money to buy New Japan Pro Wrestling, he's a businessman. He don't care about wrestling. He's going to sell the company. All they have to do is make a, a conscious decision to offer Harold me enough money for New Japan, and they will own all the contracts of those wrestlers. And there's your starting point for NXT NXT Japan. I don't know, man. That's a bold move, man. Well, I don't. Put, I'm thinking the only thing that's stopping Triple H from doing that right now is he's waiting for the value to decrease on the company because New Japan is floundering right now, mm-hmm. especially in the overseas market. They got their loyal fan base in Japan. This is true. But a lot of the fan base is pretty pissed off about Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that was a bad Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, it was good, but it could have been way better than what it was. It wasn't Wrestle Kingdom standard. So yeah. you look at it like this. Vince McMahon this just didn't buy WCW. He watched WCW flounder to a fault to where he bought it at pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Guess what they're doing right now with New Japan? I'm trying to tell everyone, but they don't want to believe me and they don't want to listen. They're just waiting for the sale value of New Japan to drop to its lowest point. And they are going to buy it from Harold Mead. And they will turn New Japan Wrestling into NXT Japan. At which point they are going to swallow up Dragon Gate, Noah, 
all Japan. They were going to swallow up all these small promotions. What about, what, and they will take it over. What about DDT? Yes. <laughs> that goes without saying. They're even going to take over the Joshi promotions. Man. I don't know. It's going to happen. It's an inevitability. The only competition the WWE is going to have here in the next five years is going to be AEW. They're going to buy, watch and see, dude. I'm going to tell you, their mouth waters too much at wanting to have that ROH library. Yeah. They want the video rights library to ROH. Now They're going to buy ROH. Watch. Five my, years from now, they're going to own Ring of Honor. So we, I'm going to hold you to this, and the listeners, you can do this as well. So we got within the next five years, NXT Japan will envelop all of uh Japanese wrestling culture as far as yep. specifically New Japan and you know some of those other guys and yep. uh, who, who you said was else going to get sucked up Ring of Honor Ring of Honor was going to get sucked up into. and Impact I was just about to bring up Impact as well so yes, they will. within the next five years we mark it today is February 16th 2019 so uh, yep. we'll come back and revisit this five years later <laughs> Yep, I'm telling you now, though, and I'm telling you, everybody thinks the bullshit. Look how right I was about the about the um, the exodus of uh, New Japan. And if anybody was following me on Facebook, you know for a fact when Daniel Bryan came back, I told everybody that within less than a year he was going to turn heel and have the WWE title again. Mm-hmm. I told everyone that, and look what happened. Now, um. What do you think is um damn I had it and I lost it. <laughs> I've been doing that lately. These pancakes got me on edge. I'm just like, I'm sipping on the scissor right now. Um what's next? I mean, what is next? You know, I mean, we we'll, we we'll have all this shit being uh enveloped by different companies and whatnot. Um hopefully AEW will be on the um radar by then. Because they already have another show after Double or Nothing. It's a charity show in Jacksonville that they're going to be doing. But as far as uh, TV, there's been speculation of uh, TBS. Yep. And, uh, the 605 time slot. And whatnot. So, yep. What's next, man? What, what 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 else can we do as WWE as a company to make our product even more grander? I, what this is This is my thinking of it. I don't think WWE is so much worried, so much worried about, you know, competing with AEW as much as AEW is worried about competing with WWE. They're going to both do their own thing regardless. But AEW is trying to establish themselves as a premier wrestling company. WWE is already that. But WWE right now is trying to globalize, man, pretty much just expand its reach. And they're going to. So they're going. If they tapped in, if they have their fillers, the Amazon pretty much. If they got a the factories here, 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 and here, you know that's going to choke up a lot of the um, recruiting pool for other companies such as AEW and whatnot. All right, all right. Let let me put it in this perspective. You got WWE, and I'm telling you now, they're going to accomplish this because they got the money and. The money matters, okay? And they got a plan. They got a they got a game plan, and it's been the same plan they've been doing mm-hmm. since Vince McMahon ate up all the territorial. 
Yeah. Back in the day. They're going to go to Japan. They're going to take over there. It's going to happen. Five years from now, You, it, it, this is the thing they want the most, is they want the libraries of the past wrestlers mm-hmm. as well. They're going to own the Impact Library. They're going to own the New Japan Library. They're going to own the Ring of Honor Library because all their major stars right now are from those past companies. NXT, let's just be honest, the best match of the last year, and I'm not just saying since the beginning of this year, I'm saying from the past year as well, the best match I've seen is Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet. Mm -hmm. That was the top match. That match was what I was expecting Wrestle Kingdom to be. So Triple H knows what to do to get the indie wrestling fan to watch. Because all in all, we really don't give a fuck about the company per se. We want to see great wrestling. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you want to run wrestling and you want to control wrestling, but you understand that there's a lot of traditional wrestling fans that don't like your primetime product, you give them the alternative and you own the alternative. Yeah. So if they take over Japan and they actually put these guys in and let these guys perform at their highest level, you are going to get all the the wrestling fans, the the real hardcore wrestling fans, watching all these NXT promotions and not turning over to another product. Now, you use the, the, the Amazon comparison. I'm going to do this with AEW and WWE. Amazon is great, and you can buy anything off of Amazon. Mm-hmm. This is true, and you get, you get your bang for your buck, per se. Mm-hmm. I don't use Amazon very often. You know why I don't use Amazon very often? Because Walmart.com does the exact same thing, and it's usually a dollar to three dollars cheaper. Yeah, and it gets there relatively the same time frame, and it's the exact same things. You can go on Walmart.com and order anything, anything that you can get on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. and it's cheaper. AEW will be Walmart.com, and WWE will be Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can get the same, you know, you can get a, a, a great product of wrestling that you'll be able to enjoy and watch and get involved with and love for a cheaper cost. And um, I think me and you talked about it on the show or whatever, but AEW is slowly turning into what I said it was going to be. It's an extension of the Being the Elite uh, yeah. YouTube show. Because every yeah. and it, it is it's fact. Everybody that has ever been involved with the Being Elite YouTube series has been signed or is working closely with AEW. Yep, and I'm cashing in. Son of a bitch! Surprise, motherfucker! All right. Speaking of uh, cashing in, and I, damn, I don't even know where to go with this shit. Um, five, five dollar footlongs. What's the significance of five and five dollar footlongs? King Kong Bundy, big motherfucker. He like to eat shit. So this motherfucker so big and damn that. And so he he credited himself of being the most premier elite athlete, no pun intended, to where he not only said he was going to put people down for a three count, he demanded 
that he would have to have a five count, you know, and he was the originator of that from what I understand. And he's so freaking legendary that he would demand $5, uh, uh, not $5, uh, five times the fee of an average uh, competitor in a match. And um, he had a son later on who we all know is a uh, Biggie Langston who would also emulate <laughs> his uh, historic five count and everything. And um, he has a stepbrother by the name of uh, Booker T, who was a five-time WCW champion. And <laughs> okay, I ain't gonna make it through this shit. I, I... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alright, can we give King Kong Bundy his just do though? Uh, yeah. One of the greatest Hulk Hogan matches I've ever seen was at WrestleMania 2 his steel cage match with Bundy. Mm. Uh, King Kong Bundy is an underrated big man. And I'm going to explain to you why. I actually got the pleasure yesterday of watching a match between him and a very young Jerry Lawler in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware of it, King Kong Bundy was a legit 440 pounds. Yeah. He was he was not fat. He was built like a damn refrigerator. Like Kingpin. Yeah. He was a big dude. And he was super, just super agile in this match. I'm talking about, I'm watching it. And he's hitting these moves on Lawler that if he fucked up a square inch, he would literally have killed Jerry Lawler. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it with such perfection. I was just like watching it. I'd never seen the match before. Never at all. It was um, it was actually a gem I just found on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And he's dropping these damn knees on Lawler's head. And he's doing it in pure perfection. It looks perfect. And I'm like, good gosh, he is so damn agile. To be that damn big, he's moving around the ring like a cruiserweight. And he's dropping this big 440-pound frame on Lawler, and it really looks like he's he's doing an avalanche on his ass, but Lawler's fine. They tell this brilliant story that if the longer Lawler lasts in the match, every minute Lawler lasts, he wins uh, $1,000. So every minute he lasts in the ring with King Kong Bundy, he wins $1,000. So they tell this great story. And this perfectly executed match that I hate using this word, but it looked real. It looked like this little bitty Memphis redneck motherfucker was fighting this big, gigantic son of a bitch from Atlantic City, and they was going at it. And I really got taken in by watching how great Bundy actually was. And Bundy did end up winning the match because Rick Rude ran out there and distracted Lawler, and he ended up getting him for the five count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, it made me think back and watch the Hulk Hogan, King Kong, Bundy match. Bundy is not talked about as one of the greatest big men ever, and he really was. If you go back and look at the way he moved, it was like watching a 440-pound HBK. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I'm telling you. do the super Rob, kick? listen to me. What, go watch some King Kong Bundy matches and watch how that big motherfucker moved. Because he, if he was a hair inch wrong on his timing, he would kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm looking it, at I'm looking at my notes right now that we put down for the promo in the bank. 
and I got King Kong. Yeah. I got King Kong Bunny. <laughs> oh, now he's a bunny. Yeah, big ass rabbit, <laughs> hopping around delivering five dollar golden eggs. <laughs> yeah, he he delivered them to Okada. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, you goddamn Pope stealing gimmick having motherfucker. <laughs> um, you know that's the thing. I'm. I honestly think Okada will probably be in WWE a lot sooner than people were thinking as well. He's not happy. But do you think that? You could tell. But do you think that was inevitable though? Let's just say New Japan, you know, just would have moved on swimmingly, no issues, and you know, people not leaving. You know, it just was the company of old. Do you think WWE is inevitable from the uh, Okada? Yeah. I mean, even though I know their mouth watered for him, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd have left because he actually cares about the tradition. But what happens when the tradition is out of the window and it's all about money and a conglomerate of a of a Fortune five hundred company? Yeah, and you can kind of see the change. With uh, yeah, because like Kushida, diehard New Japan pro wrestler. From what yeah, yeah, from what I knew, from what I knew of um, my limited viewing experience of New Japan pro wrestling, diehard company man. For him to leave, and you know that tells you something. Uh, We talked about ACH on here before. Who I think is tailor made for freaking New Japan, you know, but you know now he's down at NXT as well because of you know could possibly you know the stuff going on at uh, New Japan, you know. Yeah, um, I'm. There's pretty much a you know a rumor that no one wants to work for New Japan anymore. They don't like the direction that the company's going. and AEW is an alternative to that, and NXT is another alternative to that. Mm-hmm. And the thing that scares me the most is <clears throat> now that I'm looking at the way things are going, I don't know if AEW can compete with WWE. Yeah, and I don't think they'll try to. I, I honestly don't think they'll try to. I think they'll, they'll try to be an alternative. Yeah, they, they'll continue to do their being elite thing. Because that's what got them to where they are, pretty much. Yeah. Just the intricate way they would tell stories and, you know, just kind of give you that. It was almost a real look at professional wrestling. You know, the being the Elite Series, it was almost a documentary. But, you know, they had their shenanigans and comedy shit sprinkled out through it. I kind of feel that what AEW is going to become is the ECW of this time era. Mm-hmm. And. I'm talking about the real ECW, not the the WWE watered-down version. Um, I was blessed enough to be around when ECW really made its mark on wrestling, and they wasn't the top money-making company. But with wrestling fans, they was the top company. Yeah. And that's what I think AEW is going to do, is AEW is going to have – brilliant matches with brilliant guys and I think they're just going to get eaten up after a few years. Okay. Now I hate saying that. I really do. I hate saying that, but I just I'm watching what WWE is doing right now mm-hmm. 
and I'm watching what Triple H is doing and what his plan is and how he's going to eat up all these other smaller companies because the time is right, mm-hmm. I think AEW is eventually going to get eaten up. Now, let's talk about some of these uh, tactics and some of the drawbacks to AEW or mm-hmm. some of the drawbacks they may face because, I mean, they haven't really fully got started yet. Um True. From what I've been seeing, they've been signing a lot of their, uh, a lot of the internet darlings or whatnot. Um, supposedly there's a deal in works with a uh, Darby Allen, mm-hmm. who, who I just discovered not too long ago, and I think the dude is freaking great. Um, yeah. Jungle Boy, yeah. Um, uh, Luke Perry's son, and um, Joey Janela, yeah. All creating great. Yeah, all creating big buzz on the uh, internet. You know, Darby Allen because of his style and his look and everything. Uh, Joey Janela because of his freaking don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah. style, jumping off of buildings and all kind of crazy shit. And, yeah, um, he's kick ass. I haven't seen too much on Jungle Boy, but, you know, from what I hear, he's yeah. pretty good. And these guys. Yeah, he's, are, um, he's Luke Perry's son from 90210. <laughs> Seriously, he's actually Luke Perry's son, bro. Like, I'm not bullshitting. Luke Perry goes to his matches and shit. All right, Luke Perry is going to be on Being the Elite here pretty soon, I, I bet you. Um, it, it's a possibility. He goes to a lot of indie shows, and, you know, the thing is, is uh, is I didn't know about Jungle Boy or him being Luke Perry's uh, son until Josh Baroni yeah. um, let me know about it. Because Josh Baroni, Jungle Boy synonymous, synonymously works in California most of the time. And he knows Jungle Boy personally. And he's the one who told me. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, nah, man. He's like, Luke Perry's at his matches and everything, dude. That's crazy. We need to get Josh back on here. But um, Yeah, we do. What? So do you think, all right, who are the next logical signings or whatever? Because AEW, from what I've seen, you know, the press events and just, you know, the internet reveals and whatnot, They've been signing, to me, to me, this is just my opinion, because I don't know shit about shit, you know, too much about indie stuff. They've been signing a lot of obscure shit, you know, like out of the box, you know, people. <sighs> like um, the Nyla Rose, uh, Sunny Kiss, which are, I, I don't know shit about Nyla Rose, I just know she's transgender. Um, yeah. Sunny Kiss, which is, from what I've heard and the little bits I've seen in uh, Lucha Underground, is a phenomenal athlete. And um, they got to deal with a uh, OWE, which came yeah. out of left field for me. I'm just speaking for me because I, I never knew they had a company in <laughs> China like that. And um, yeah, then they had the uh, addition of the uh, with the fe- Japanese females, one that I didn't know yeah. and one that I didn't know. So they strategically picking like the the famous and the not so famous yet so they're trying to get established and inestablished at the same time i think what they're doing is they're looking for people they can build stars around yeah because not everybody is going to stay with aew no and they're aware of that so what they're going to do is they're going to get specific guys that they can build into stars Mm -hmm. um i think um i'm looking for the the next big wwe sign Mm mm-hmm I'm wondering who I thought it was going to be Ambrose, 
But now I'm hearing that Ambrose is, may sign with the WWE again. Yeah. Not sure. But if Ambrose leaves, they're going to sign it. That's they that goes to. beyond saying. They have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh I that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see who they sign mm-hmm. for the WWE that's already an established nationwide star that's going to bring eyes to him because uh, most of the world right now that doesn't know about indie wrestling or New Japan wrestling and and stuff like that, they're like, well, Chris Jericho, he's an old bastard. They're signing the old dinosaurs like WCW did when they signed Hulk Hogan. And let's get this right, dude. And I'm just being honest here. When WCW signed Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan was in his damn prime. And that was like that was the biggest get they could ever get at the time. Yeah, I mean, dude, I I hear these little bastards on online always talking to shit, and I'm like, for one motherfucker, you wasn't even alive back then. Mm-hmm. So how the fuck do you could you even have a legit opinion? If you look back on those matches that Hulk Hogan had in WCW, dude, he was in the best shape of his life. Mm-hmm. Still had the young it, face and everything. <laughs> Yeah, if you look at that match he had at Hog Wild against Paul White, who was then known as the Giant, who was later known as the Big Show, mm-hmm. that was a great match. Brilliant story told in that match. You look at the match he had where he dropped the strap to Goldberg. That's Goldberg's best damn match prior to him wrestling DDP. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Steve Regal just kicked his ass. I mean, and mm-hmm. just took the pin at the end. I mean, you know... You can't say that Goldberg's match with Steve Regal or William Regal, whatever you want to call him, was a good match. That was Regal being pissed off because he didn't feel like wrestling and going out there on sh- and shooting on that little prick and tying him into a knot. Yeah, no, Not um, calling Goldberg little. I'm yeah. saying to somebody of Regal's status, he's a little prick. Now, um, Regal, we can add him to that list of what we was talking about earlier about motherfuckers that should have been a champion. But you know, yeah. the circumstances behind that was just like kind of his own doing. So, but yeah, but I mean, he's a he was he was one of the last real deal shooters to where he can fuck you up. Mm-hmm. You piss him off, he's gonna fuck you up. Him and fit, and, man. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. I said him and fit. <laughs> yep, they both could, and they had a mutual respect for each other. Uh, so you look at. Hulk Hogan in WCW, he had some really good matches. There was He was in his prime. Savage was in his prime. Savage was not old and worn out. You know, Savage was still in his prime and had some really great matches. That's what he was so pissed off about was they wanted to sit him behind the desk. Mm-hmm. And then there was the rumor that came out he was fucking the boss's daughter, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, rumor. So. Yeah, rumor. But um, so we can kind of put a bow on this or whatever. What what do you think? Um, what's some next strategic moves that AEW are going to employ? They got to land a TV deal. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing they really want that 605 time slot on TBS because of the traditional value that WCW had that 605 time slot, and it was something that wrestling fans looked forward to on the weekends was to watch wrestling at 605. Yeah, on TV. Yes, and then everybody and, can watch it then because I mean now with Raw and everything, you kind of almost run into the fact to where you know it's tailored to kids. But with Raw, your kids are either missing the first or last hour because they got to go to sleep and shit. And then, yeah, 
Smack. Well, I fall asleep half the damn time, but that's partially because it's been really boring. Yeah. Uh, um, I think the, that's the first thing they got to do is ink the TV deal, and they need two slots. They need the 605 slot. I think that's a good idea. And I think the next slot they need to get is a primetime slot, but not necessarily on a Monday. I think it would be smarter to get it on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because uh, it, it's just a perfect slot, and there's not really much going on on Wednesday sports-wise that's going to yeah. take away from people watching. Um, I don't think it needs to be a two-hour show. I think they need to do a one-hour show. Mm. Uh, just to start, maybe moving on to two hours eventually, but I think they just need a one hour show. Um, I'm looking for that next big signee for, from WWE, whoever leaves. Yeah, um, I'm that, looking for that signee. Yeah, that, that'll be the that'll be one of their biggest game changers because what I think it is, as far as you know, as it concerns with WWE, they 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 are pampered there. You know, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Because like, uh, what's your boy name? Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Mm-hmm. They've been on the contract for so long. They don't do shit with them. But even though they're off TV, they get they're, they're getting paid. You're, yeah. getting, you're getting paid to do nothing. So that's less wear on exactly. your body. I'm pretty sure they're doing live events, going to house shows and shit like that or whatever, doing appearances or whatever. But they have less stress on their bodies. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure they want to be in a heavyweight title contingent or a tag team or whatever. They want to be on the forefront entertaining but when they're not entertaining, they still are getting fucking paid. And a lot of those people exactly. don't know if AEW can offer them something like that, you know. So well, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna come to a point to where somebody is gonna leave, and you know, on a, you know, on a, on a whim, just take that uh, chance and make that jump, and they'll be the big deal. It doesn't matter who it is. It's just as long as it's somebody that's recently been on WWE television that makes that transition over to AEW. Another thing that I think could change the game, um, CM Punk. Yeah. People still want to see him. Uh, a lot of people got their own opinions about him because he got his ass kicked in the two MMA fights and mm-hmm. he's talked bad about the business, yeah. you know, here and there. I don't think he's necessarily talking bad about the business. He's talking bad about WWE. He doesn't like the way they ran the business. Mm-hmm. And I think he doesn't like the way the tradition is squandered mm-hmm. that, that he, that he was used to, that was there. There's the WWE. There's, there's no honor in it like you know like there used to be in the wrestling business there was an honor there was a respect there was a a code there was a family there was kayfabe yeah i don't think he likes the direction that wrestling has went to Mm -hmm. but man you get him on um aw and you're going to see a ratings increase dramatically because people want to hear him on the mic and then if you can somehow get him to wrestle again and and wrestle Omega, good gosh, that's yeah. It's going to be something special. Yeah. That's what I'm looking to see them do. Yeah, and not be direct competition with WWE. Not going on there no. and being like, "Hey, you motherfuckers over there," and all this other shit. And you're like, "Leave them alone." It, it's one yes. thing. It's one thing to reference reference them. As in, if you have a Jericho in the ring, you'd be like, oh, such and such time, WWE champion, such and such time, WC. You know, if you reference, like how Lucha Underground did, how we talked about the other time with Matt Stryker and all those guys. How they talk yeah. about them as, you know, their career, not as, 
you know, they're, you know, they were, they were a mainstay in this company. It just, it's, it's a part of their career. So they have to talk about it, but you know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I mean, let's put it like this though. If they get to a level and, and, and don't think it's going to happen in the next three years, it, I'm talking about, they're going to have to be strong for the next seven or eight years, seven, eight years down the line. If AEW still around 10, 12 years, if AEW still around, and they're at a point to where they actually are competition with WWE, and they're really pushing the envelope, then yeah, let's go to war. But no, you don't want to fuck with them too much because you don't have the money to really fuck with them to where they could literally, you know, call up the Khan family and be like, look, we're tired of this shit. How much money you got invested in this? We'll pay you double right now. We want that company. We want every contract right now mm-hmm. and they can do that yeah which i feel like um i don't think the dude the con guy i don't think he's gonna do that because from what i hear and from what i've heard professional wrestlers even say about him that he's like super passionate about wrestling i don't think he'd give up because he didn't really don't need the money so it's all about the love yeah but, but right. i mean yeah go it's ahead. his father that's putting up the money though from what i understand hey it's it's the son that's the wrestling fan. The father is the one who's actually giving his son the money to do this. Yeah, but still, so money is money. I think, <laughs> yeah, money is exactly that's what I'm saying. Money is money. So if they feel like this is a legitimate competition to them, don't ever the WC the WWE can buy people's souls. Mm-hmm. They literally can, and it's it, it, it could happen. Is all I'm saying okay. is they're going to have to build this company up right and build it up to a point to where they're not pissing off WWE. Because once they start pissing them guys off, WWE will take them to war, yeah. and they'll eat you alive. I wouldn't be surprised. I hate saying this, but I really wouldn't be surprised if this whole thing with with New Japan was actually a ploy from WWE. What? What do you mean? Maybe, all right, maybe when when Harold Mead bought the company, per se. Conspiracy theories, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, what if he's secretly working with the WWE and this is all a ploy? Okay, yeah, that was, that was just kind of the same thing that uh, people were saying when Jericho first popped up in New Japan. Oh, WWE sent him there because they're trying to scout him out the territory. And blah, 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 but blah. There's, a, there's a lot of people that think Vince Russo went to WCW to sabotage them from the inside. I don't know. Who knows the Delta? Even, even Bill Goldberg said that. Hmm. Bill Gar- Goldberg has went on record as saying that he feels Vince McMahon sent Vince Russo to WCW to internally destroy them. But, I mean, who knows, man? Who knows the depths of a man's soul? <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and tie this thing off, man. But, like, before we go, I, I was just, you know, we talked about a whole bunch of different things and matches and whatnot. A thing that I want to incorporate into the traditional show is um, a match recommendation, which I have one. And I know you um, recommended that I go back and watch um, some King Kong Bundy matches. And I'm yeah. uh, I'm gonna do so. But do you have one in particular that you would recommend me watch? If you could find that Jerry Lawler, it's on Facebook. It's on. Um, I'm in a wrestling group on Facebook. That's uh, 
all about Memphis pro wrestling. Uh, and they play all the old Memphis um, uh, wrestling videos from the TV show with um, Lance Russell and Dave Brown. And that match where Jerry, I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube easily. It's Jerry Lawler versus King Kong Bundy. Um, the, the every minute Lawler lasts is a, is a thousand dollars. You really see how great Bundy is in that match. Okay. And, um, I want to recommend a current match that I've seen here that really stuck out to me. Um, are you familiar with, um, what's the guy he, uh, NXT, um, UK. He just, uh, recently fought Finn Balor. He was a student of Finn Balor, uh, Dublin, Devlin. Yeah, Devlin. Yeah. yeah, I'm sour. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of sour on this guy too. I I kind of feel about him the same way that I feel about Balor, and the fact that Balor had a hand in training him, and he kind of, you know, resembles Balor in a way, like as far as his attire and somewhat of his style. You know, yeah. I, I'm kind of sour on him. But the match recommendation I have is him, Jordan Devlin versus, uh, freaking Drew Gulak. In the Worlds Collide tournament, have you seen that? No, but I'm a big Gulak fan, so I so, definitely watched it. So that that's my recommendation: uh, Jordan Devlin versus Drew Gulak in the Worlds Collide tournament is on the WWE Network. I don't know if it was, um, I believe, yeah, because Jordan Devlin had a buy because he won the tournament, so it's on the actual WWE Network. The rest of the the beginning of the tournament, the first round, and all the other stuff is on. Um, WWE's YouTube. So you can find it on either one of those. The WWE YouTube or the WWE freaking um network. But it's a uh, Jordan Devlin versus Drew Gulak. And uh what stuck out to my to me about this match, I believe Gulak himself elevated Jordan Devlin or he made him look away to me to where you know, Jordan Devlin ain't that bad. You know, that, that, that he just him in the ring with Gulak made made change my mind. It gave me a different outlook on uh, Jordan Devlin. It's kind of hard to have a bad match for Gulak. He is a technical wizard. Uh, but Devlin is not a bad wrestler. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can understand why you would say that. He's not a bad wrestler, though. He just giving time. I, t I think he's still um, suffering from some somewhat of stage fright when he gets out there on the big stage. But... Mm -hmm. uh, He's not a bad wrestler. He's actually pretty good. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be world champion or anything. But yeah, but yeah, that he's, was, he, he's he's definitely a good performer. It it um from what I can count, they only touched the ropes two times in the whole match. Maybe three. I could be <laughs> wrong, but they only touched the ropes two two to three times in that whole match. They kept it in the center of the ring. I think they went outside once, but it wasn't for very long. And it reminded me of um that old William Regal freaking uh, Chris Benoit match to where they had the match in the ring and they didn't touch the ropes at all. And yeah, good catch, catch wrestling. Yeah, so it, and like I didn't really think that I would like a match like that, but this match was really good and it really stuck in my mind or whatever, and I want other people to see it. Awesome. I will definitely check it out. All right. So uh, before we go, my man, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. You can find me on twitter.com at Namalee. You got to use the at sign as the A, 49. You can find me on Facebook under my real name, Christopher Yates. Don Yates. Louisville, Kentucky. 
Yeah. Well, the Don part, can we get into the Don part? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to explain wh why he calls me the Don. Tragically, yesterday was my father's funeral. Um, I went to my father's funeral. There was a lot of my family I hadn't seen since 1987 that was there. So they hadn't seen me since I was a child. Uh, I went to the funeral dressed up in my best gear with um, my cousin, Sean, on my mother's side. and my good friend and a friend of the shows and B Rob's Hoppy Raj. Hoppy Raj. Um, we pulled up in a 2017 Mercedes that belongs to my cousin. I know it wasn't a 2018, but hey, it's a Mercedes. <laughs> I was not expecting any of this, but my cousin was wearing a, um, a suit. He jumps out of the Mercedes and he opens the door for me like, like he's my chauffeur. I get out. Hoppy gets out. Uh, you have to understand who Hoppy is. Um, find him on Twitter or something. But Hoppy gets out, and he has a um, a 9 millimeter strapped to his side. And he follows me around the entire funeral home like he is my bodyguard. My cousin <laughs> follows me on the side, and a lot of my family members were literally scared to come up to me because they thought I was a mafia kingpin or something. Uh, it made my, my father's funeral a lot easier to deal with. So that's uh, why B-Rob keeps calling me the Don. You're going to change your name from Anomaly to Don Yates. <laughs> yeah, the Don Yates, baby, the Don Yates. But you can also find me on Instagram at Anomaly4949. Uh, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, my friend... My friend request on Facebook is overran right now. I'm taking time to look through all of it. Uh, since I've been doing this podcast, I think my friend request right now is like, I think I got like 950 friend, re friend requests right now. Um, so it's kind of like the Section 8 list. Um, <laughs> you'll get approved when I get to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With that being said, on behalf of myself and uh, Don Yates, other known as Anomaly. We bid you a fine to do, and we'll see you next time. Peace.